I did not come into a long-term care to die. I was put in here not to die, but to live. God is good. God leads us every day. We live for others, and as we give of ourselves to others, it comes back in so many, many ways. Hi there, I'm Erin Davis, and welcome into Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench. This is a place to open our hearts and our minds as we listen to the stories of the people you would meet on an actual green bench at one of the many Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care homes. Now, today we're going to be talking with Dr. Jane Kipfer, a Ph.D. with her Master's in Divinity, who also happens to be the Spiritual Life Facilitator at the Village of University Gates in Waterloo. So what is that position exactly, and what's the difference between spiritual and religious? And will either of them get the Toronto Maple Leafs a Stanley Cup one day? (laughs) We'll get into all that very shortly, and I promise you a most interesting discussion. But first, I want to welcome in my co-host on this bench, Doug Robinson. Doug, I understand that you found yourself in the spotlight recently. Uh, Thanks to you, Erin. You've turned me into a broadcaster. Oh, Doug, don't blame me for that. Oh, yes. I I love you for it. <laughs> at, at 87 years of age, <laughs> what what you turned my life right around. Thank you. Yes, I, I was presented with a trophy, and on the trophy, mm-hmm. it said, Doug Robinson, for reaching 75,000 hits on your podcast. And that's all thanks to you, Erin. Oh, well, congratulations, Doug. We're very proud of your achievements, and we can only thank the team from Memory Tree, particularly Melinda, for putting together such a great podcast. And, of course, Ted Hudson, who is with Schlegel Villages, and he makes sure that people know we're here. Otherwise, it'd just be you and me on a phone call every now and then, Doug catching up and shooting the breeze. So, We're just extremely lucky. And, of course, Lloyd Hetherington, who first implanted himself on the bench and then in the gentlest and kindest ways possible made room for you. So we are all grateful to be part of such a wonderful team. And as you know, teamwork is how it all works at Schlegel Villages. So our guest today, without further ado, is Dr. Jane Kipfer. I mentioned her in the introduction. And just before we dive into this chat with you, Doctor, what shall we call you, Dr. Kipfer, Your Majesty, uh, Jane? <laughs> what, what do you prefer today? Oh, please call me Jane. Okay, I will do that. That's uh, my granddaughter's name, so I'm very comfortable saying it with a smile. Yeah. So uh, for people who might not be sure, what is the difference between spiritual and religious? Can you wrap that in a neat package for us? Sure, that's a great question. So spirituality is the capacity that we all have for experiencing meaning and connection in life. For some, it, it permeates all of their life. For others, it's, it's felt in moments, moments of beauty, times of emotion, special significance in life. Religions like Christianity or Islam, uh, indigenous religions, they provide people with stories and symbols and rituals. Uh, they bring people together in communities 
usually of all ages together, to nurture spiritual life of connectedness and meaning. So, so religion conserves spirituality, and often people um, have both. Why do you believe that spiritual care and guidance should be a significant part of the care seniors are provided in long-term care homes? Well, simply because people are more than bodies. People need to be seen and known as, as whole people and have a sense of connection and meaning. It's so important that we as human beings are, are valued and, and not alone in life. And that's what spiritual care does. It connects people to other people and to the source of life, to God, if they call God by that name, to stories, to practices. And it brings comfort and assurance and inspiration and peace, all those good things. I find it interesting that you talk about the community and connection because that really truly is one of the things that I, as a spiritual but not religious person, do miss about that religious time in my life. And that was the gathering, whether it was for Saturday evening mass or on Sunday when mom got us all together and toted us off to church. But just the joyful raising of voices together, that feeling of connection, just until you get out in the parking lot and try and kill each other getting out. For that time, while you're together, you are all united in something. And that is a feeling that, especially over the past few years, Jane, we've really come to miss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, belonging is so important. And we have certainly felt that during the pandemic, that the risk of isolation. And I see that as people move into retirement homes and long-term care, uh, often leaving communities where they've belonged for a long time, moving into a, a new place, a new community where they might not know anybody and might not be known by anyone. So finding that that sense of belonging is so important to home. And spirituality is so often part of that. Like you said, it in, in your past, you connect that feeling with church community and belonging and, and different ages coming together. Our spirituality and or our religion can bring us bring us together, help us find things in common with one another and help us to share with each other on a a deeper level of meaning than we might otherwise. Sometimes, though, religion comes between us. I mean, and we've seen this for millennia, as long as people have been destroying each other over my God versus your God and beliefs and all of those things. And it carries on into our life where you may feel like you can't sit next to someone who is of a different belief or came up through a different church than yourself. How do you go about opening those doors and building bridges instead of walls? Mm. Well, we, we make it clear, and, and res, this has been very resident-centered from the beginning at, mm-hmm. at the home where I serve, that they really want everyone in the community to feel a sense of belonging, that no one belongs more than someone else does. And so we're very um, intentional about articulating that uh, when we come together for our gatherings, that this is a place for everyone, and it's a place of sharing, um, not of judging, uh, but a place of, to get to know each other better and to be open to one another and to the wisdom and the perspective that that each person brings. 
And there's richness in that, in coming together and knowing that maybe the person you might hear from today is coming from somewhere different than you are and wondering, well, what, what might be in there that I might learn from? So it, it's been, been a wonderful experience. Our, I can tell you about our spiritual life gatherings that we have on Tuesday afternoons. We, we get together and we often have a resident share from their life story, whatever part they might like. Of course, people can't share their whole story or even as much as they would on this podcast because it, <laughs> we'd be there all day. Right. Um, but they, they choose some, some significant stories from life to tell, uh, perhaps moments that, that touched on their faith, touched on meaning or connectedness in, in their life. And uh, people listen with, with all ears. They, they love to hear those stories. And then we, as part of those gatherings too, we ask the, the residents who are sharing to choose some of their favorite music to be part of it. So we may have someone who, um, who's part of the Catholic Church who would then share with us some Catholic hymns that have been meaningful to them, or, or there might be some old gospel hymns, or there might be some popular music from the 60s. Who, who knows what it might be? Uh, we've had Elvis Presley. We've had all sorts of, of different music, but music that touches people's hearts and connects with something important to them then ends up connecting with other people's hearts as well and connecting people to each other and they leave with more things to talk about and more connections than they had before. Jane, Mm -hmm. what qualifications do you need to give support to residents in a spiritual manner? Oh, there's there's quite a mix of of people providing that support right now with with different qualifications, but the basics is being really grounded in one's own faith perspective, whatever that might be. So being a person of, of faith who is able to be open to other people of faith, regardless of differences, and to, to honor that and to hold that, that space of meaning for them, and then to be able to support their spiritual practices. So an understanding of a variety of different spiritual practices and expressions so that you can facilitate that for people. And then just being the kind of person who, who can make connections between other people and help build that, build that community is important. So as far as education goes, there's often um, a lot of spiritual care providers have master's degrees in um, masters of divinity or, or whatever educational background might be for, for their faith and there's often a counseling component that people have training in. Outside of formal education, often people have training in palliative care and in grief support, those kinds of things as well. It almost sounds like, too, if I understand just from what you have told us so far, that listening, listening is truly the most important component. Yeah, listening and just being present for people being able to bring that that positive presence, hopeful presence into a place. Is that difficult for you? Because I remember, of course, doing early morning radio for so many years. Nobody cared if I had a bad night's sleep because of the fire trucks in downtown Toronto. (laughs) I had to be there. I had to show up and shine. And, you know, I'm doing this for you. How do you approach your day? I approach the day with, with positivity, but also with honesty. I want people to 
to know that I am real and genuine and so they can be real and genuine mm. and we build each other up. People are willing to admit when they are having a bad day and, and so am I mm -hmm. and to be fully human together and, and carry that. So how do you not carry home the sadness and people's stories with you every day? Well, for me, I have my own spiritual practice around that. As a Christian, I, I believe that God is carrying people. And so I don't need to. I can be there for them in the moment. Um, and then I, at the end of the day, take some time quietly to place them in God's hands until I'm there again. And I have confidence that, that God's with them, and they're not alone. Uh, it all comes down to faith. Yeah. Thank you for that. And also, a reminder, too, that it does not matter what religion or faith one has when it comes to what you do. In fact, you are both Mennonite and mm -hmm. United Church, ordained ministers. So it's all just sort of drawing from the same well, is it not? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, for many of us, our, our faith evolves throughout life as we grow and mature, and that doesn't stop when we get to the later years. Many people are continuing to learn and grow and stretch as, as life happens. Jane, why do people tend to become more spiritual as they age? Oh, lots of, of reasons. And... Um, it may not be true to say everyone becomes more spiritual as they age. Some people become more themselves as they age. And for some people who, who are, are never spiritual, they may, may not find meaning in it. But I think there's a dimension of spirituality that, that strengthens for most people as they get older. Some of it has to do with time, I think. We have more spaciousness in our lives than we do when we're younger. And so there's more time to reflect uh, about meaning in life. And the, the meanings of life shift, too. In, in earlier life, we have, have provisional meanings along the way. There's lots to do. It's, we, we get caught up in those things like, like getting an education and building relationships and finding a home and forming a family and... Uh, travel perhaps, lots and lots of, of meaning-making activities. But those are all kind of provisional meanings in life. And when the older age comes and there's more loss in life, some of those things fall away. And then in that space that's left, there's space to, to think about ultimate meanings, what really matters when it comes down to it. I have a couple of thoughts on what you've said, Jane, if I may. One of mm -hmm. them is that as you get older, at least in my case, I've, and you talk about having the time to notice and to appreciate, like looking at flowers you've mm -hmm. never seen before or hearing bird sounds and actually caring that that's a cardinal or a blue jay and things that, you know, you didn't care about when you were younger or have time to even, you know, literally stop and smell the roses but now you do, and it comes with that spirituality, that deeper connection to the world around you, and how can you be a better part of it? And the other part is, and I don't know if you have found this, it's anecdotal, not empirical, mm -hmm. but my dad is 89, and a couple of years ago, 
He and the girl next door in his senior's residence kind of formed a really loving relationship. And she was the wife of a missionary. And so he would go over in the evening and read to her Bible passages because she loves his voice. He was an airline pilot, and his favorite time was on the microphone. I wonder where I got it. So he would be reading her from the New Testament, the Old Testament, different versions. And I said to him, Dad, are you cramming for the finals here? <laughs> like like for when you get to the pearly gates, you're going to go, oh, oh, yeah, I know it all. It's okay. Come on. Let me in. Let me in. So I don't know. Sometimes... Through the sense of community that I think that you are helping to plant and grow here in your lovely spiritual garden, people are opening their eyes to different things that they weren't aware of, different beliefs and writings and traditions. And it's lovely. Yeah. The awareness of mortality. It becomes uh, more in your face uh, Mm -hmm. than losing friends. And um, death is much more present. Uh, Although people still hesitate to talk about it, I I love to see what's happening in our home as as we do give people permission to talk about mortality and what that means to them and, and thinking about life beyond this life. Not saying we need to believe anything in particular, but just giving people permission to imagine and uh, think beyond because so many of the people that they love are no longer living Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. yeah how do we think about that how do we hold that in our hearts from day to day and how do they think toward their own future what does spirituality look like for residents at the village of university gates well we've talked some about the spiritual life gathering already that happens on tuesday afternoons there's, there's other areas at University Gates as well, the Egerton and Emma's neighborhoods. So in terms of programming, uh, in those neighborhoods, it looks like getting together with your neighbors and singing. There's so many uh, songs that are on people's hearts and that have been there for a long time and that are favorites. I really find music connects for people. So so we do a lot of singing and the, the singing tends to lead to storytelling as well. So when story is sparked, then we'll, we'll tell stories to each other and then go back to another song. Flowers play a big part in what we do as well. I have a, a garden at home, so I like to bring whatever happens to be growing every day when I come in. And that's the beginning of a lot of conversations and, and share thoughts about beauty and meaning in life. And then there's there's lots of one-on-one spirituality experienced as well. People each have their own individual approaches to their spiritual life. And I, I have the privilege of sharing that with them. I can drop in on people as the spiritual life facilitator, have conversations, learn from people, uh, learn from their life experiences and pray with them. Um, read scripture with them, whatever they would like to share with another person. Well, Jane, let's talk a little bit about your work with the RIA, Schlegel Villages and Schlegel UW, which is University of Waterloo Research Institute for Aging. So what is your role with RIA, and how does it kind of tie in with the role that you have there at the village at University Gates? Okay, so my role is the specialist in spirituality and aging with the Research Institute for Aging. And so in that role, um, I teach courses at the university, one called Aging and the Spiritual Life, and I do research as well, and I, I plan 
organize and, and carry out conferences, seminar days, and things like that for, for public education. I also provide some support for the other Schlegel Village's chaplains, spiritual care providers. In your research, were you surprised to learn that just under 50% of homes offer spiritual care? Yeah, I'm not sure I was surprised, but it's it's good to have that statistic now because we no one really knew before. When I first started in this role, lots of people asked me about spiritual care, saying, well, how is spiritual care provided in long-term care and retirement homes? And and uh, what do different homes do? And there wasn't any data on that anywhere out there. So I undertook a survey of several homes in Ontario to try to get a sense of, of what the picture looked like. And, and yeah, that is what I found. Just under 50% at that point, and that was pre-pandemic, were, mm-hmm. were employing someone to provide some spiritual care. And of course, that varied greatly everywhere from one hour a week up to full time. But but isn't it written into the Ontario Long-Term Care Act, though? The provision of spiritual care is, but it doesn't give us much guidance as to what that looks like. Ah. So sometimes spirituality can be the word tacked on to the end of the list of the, the ways we want to care for people. We want to care right. for physical and social and psychological and, and, oh yeah, spiritual needs. Yeah, you'd rather it not have an asterisk next to it, right? You'd rather it be a little bit higher on the list? Yeah, yep. And I, my hope is that, that people would understand a little bit more deeply what is meant by that word and that it's not just a word that we tack on, but it actually has some substance. What do you think it means to provide spiritual care, Jane? Well, it means providing care for the spirits of people. So that can be emotional needs um, and largely needs around meaning and connectedness. Needs for love and hope and peace and joy. All of those non-physical needs that people have. Do you ever encounter someone who was just straight up wanting to be confrontational or argumentative with you? How do you find answers to the unknowable? I wouldn't say argumentative. No, I find most people are quite open. Uh, but I think you need to approach spirituality with openness yourself and create. So much of it is about creating a space to have those conversations that is safe and non-confrontational and, and very open to exploration and mm. free of judgment. It's the last thing we need to be doing is judging one another at this stage of oh, life. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we're in this together, and it's all a, it's so much mystery. What about therapists? Because a friend of mine, her mother, was in hospice care, mm-hmm. and she had always been dead set against therapy, even though her daughter was like, Ma, I love it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And in her last days, she so embraced the conversations with the chaplain because she was able to express all of the things she regretted, all the things she wished she'd done those sort of things. Do you find yourself sort of in Lucy's box the psychotherapist is in today? Or how do you approach that, Mm, Jane? Yeah, all the time. Mm. So many people need a listening ear. We all need a listening ear. And uh, to be able to provide that is is such a privilege. And so many people uh, find they're eager 
to talk, uh, a sense that <laughs> nothing to lose by sharing of oneself and trusting another person with their story. Uh, I don't use the word psychotherapy when I'm working in long-term care or retirement homes because people of, of that this generation aren't necessarily comfortable with the word psychotherapy and, and right. misunderstand it as something that it isn't. It really is a listening ear. And so many people have the the answers to their questions inside themselves already. It's just a, a matter of, of listening them into their own wisdom. Jane, in a few weeks' time, I'm sitting on the green bench and meeting the Minister of Long-Tier Care. Is there anything I should ask him? Hmm. Ooh, an insider here. Yeah, this is a good yeah, one, Doug. Yeah, That's uh, it, great. It's going to be here at Sandalwood. I'm sitting on the green bench at the front door, and when the minister comes in, he's going to sit on the green bench with me, and we're going to have a nice old English chat. Excellent. Well, you could ask, what are you doing to ensure the spiritual care of people in later life? That we're not just caring for bodies, but actually caring for people holistically. For souls. Yes, for souls. Mm-hmm. Mm. How would you describe the positive impact spirituality brings into the lives of the villages at University Gates? I would say it's definitely building community. And it's opening up relationships at a, a deeper, more meaningful level for people. We gather together, we hear each other's stories and share from from what's meaningful in our lives. And that allows other people to touch that and to connect with that as well. So people feel more deeply known, um, respected, loved, cared for. One woman shared with me, she had taken the opportunity to share at one of the spiritual life gatherings. And then a few weeks later, her husband died. And she said to me afterwards, she was so glad that she had shared because after her husband died then, people came up to her and and she felt that they knew her mm. so much better oh. and really genuinely cared and, and were able to offer support. That So seeing that connection build for people uh, so that they really do feel a sense of home is, is wonderful. There is such strength in vulnerability, in opening yourself up and telling your story, because we all think we're so different or we're airing laundry that we've never hung on the line before. But it's just always so amazing how much we have in common if we'll just kind of share who we are. Yeah. That's community at its absolute finest. And it is beautiful, too, when people reach the end of life. And as we do in all Schlegel villages, we have the dignity walk as people are leave the building for the last time. And, and just a few weeks ago, a resident passed. And as we walked past the dining room, it, it was lunchtime. And everyone stood, and who was able to, uh, just paid respects mm-hmm. to their friend, who had been a stranger just not many months ago. Yes. They'd gotten to know each other and were connected in a meaningful way for the the end of life. And that too, that kind of experience then helps other people to anticipate their last days. And it sounds strange, but to feel better about it. 
to kind of know that, that when I go, there's going to be people here paying respects as well, and these people surround me and care about me, in addition to my family. It is the most poignant and symbolic and beautiful tradition at Schlegel Villages, and uh, ever since we heard about that, it's so touching, Jane. Thank you for reminding us of that. That means a lot. Before we let you go, what's on your bedside table? My go-to all the time is Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton because it helped my husband and me in the immediate aftermath of the death of our only child seven years ago. It helped us to find something we could grab onto and believe in, Mm -hmm. right? Now, if you say the Bible... You lose points for being too obvious. (laughs) Find me another book, Jane. What's on your bedside table? (laughs) Oh, I'm not sure I know the exact name of it right now, but I think it's Spiritual Resilience. I'm Googling it. Yeah, yeah. See if you can find it, and then I can give you the right name. Oh, yes. Robert J. Wick, Spiritual Resilience, 30 Days to Refresh Your Soul. What day are you on? Nine. Ah, good for you. We'll talk to you in another 21 and see if it worked. Oh, boy. We all need refreshing, Jane. Yes. But it's a wonderful book. I love how he uh, he suggests at the beginning that you use it by reading just the first sentence of the day's reading in the morning and then sit with it for the whole day. And then at the end of the day, you can give yourself permission to read the rest of the rest of the reading. And I've really found that um, fascinating. Then you have it doing around in your mind all day long and uh, reflecting on it. And you don't have to be of any particular religious preference. You could, this is just spiritual resilience, Robert J. Wicks. Yes. And it's, well, that's great. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for that. Yeah, it's a good one. He actually has a psychological background, and so he sees spirituality as the ground of healthy psychology. Great. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad it's not something by Stephen King. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jane, thank you. Very enlightening and interesting afternoon. Thank you. Well, thank you, Doug. We could sit and chat for hours, and I think that there are probably a lot of people who would love that time with you. So we're very grateful for your time here today with us. Thank you, Jane. Oh, it's been a delight. Thanks for inviting me. If you've enjoyed this chat, here's more great news. If you go to elderwisdom.ca, you can learn more both about life at Schlegel Village's retirement and long-term care residences and how you can make sure you don't miss a single free episode of these Elder Wisdom stories from the Green Bench. We've got nearly 50 of them to enjoy, so why not do a deeper dive into some inspiring, enlightening, and entertaining discussions. Also, download Elder Wisdom anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. And if you have the time, would you kindly rate and review? If you're so inclined, please post on social media using hashtag Elder Wisdom. It means a lot to us, and it helps spread the word. In our next episode, which is our big 5-0, a 92-year-old who has his PhD in chemistry and is absolutely charming, funny, smart, and it makes for a wonderful listen. So don't miss Harold Quinn on Elder Wisdom next time. Just subscribe and you'll know exactly when it drops. I'm Erin Davis, and on behalf of Doug Robinson, your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, 
please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.